0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. We're continuing in our series, New Beginnings from the book of Genesis, and it is part four today, and we will go into chapter five and into chapter six. Written 3,500 years ago spans a 2,000-year period, deals with numbers of things, but the first 11, 12 chapters are incredibly important. It is the second longest book in the Bible next to Jeremiah, so that tells you something of the importance of it. 50 chapters has got a lot to say, and it gives us valuable insights. Let me remind you that Genesis explains the most important things in life to us. In fact, it explains where we come from, creation, life, sex, gender, marriage, morality, work. I want to know why we work. It's in the book of Genesis. Good and evil, purpose for our lives, sin and salvation, murder and violence, the flood, and then the f- formation of nations, and then ultimately the formation of the nation of Israel, which is a type and forerunner of the church. And... Um, What we saw in the book of Genesis, for me to remind you and to drive this point home, sin is the world's biggest problem. Not politics, not social things, not inequality of money. These are all things that occur, but sin is at the root of it all. And so as Christians, we must focus on sin and we must grow in our faith, grow in our walk with God, and recognize why Jesus had to come and die. And creation is spoken of in Genesis, but let me remind you, creation is not just spoken of in Genesis, it is a theme, a substantive theme throughout the whole Bible. Just to quote you as we kick off this morning, Psalm 90 and verse 2, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is the creator It is spoken of throughout the Bible. And listen, God sets our agenda, not the woke community. If you want to be woke, let me tell you, the Bible says we are awake already. (laughs) Tells us not to go, go to sleep. That means we must be awake. And so God's agenda is our agenda, not the woke agenda. And evolution is a false teaching. It denies God. It denies accountability to God and denies morality. And it, says man is actually getting better, but he's actually getting worse. And we're improving technologically, but not morally. Dr. Henry Morris said this in his book, The Beginning of the World. He said, evolution presupposes an innate tendency towards progress and increasing order and complexity in the universe. But the second law of thermodynamics proves there's an innate tendency towards decay and disorder in the universe. So it is directly opposite to what the Bible teaches. And uh, he goes on to say this, and it's good for us to remember. He says, evolution is the root of atheism, communism, Nazism, behaviorism, racism, economic imperialism, militarism, libertinism, anarchism, and all manner of anti-Christian systems of belief and practice. The final and conclusive evidence against evolution is the fact that the Bible denies it. And so we need to be sound on this. The Bible is truth, and it confronts and challenges lies, and it calls for a response. The Bible is a powerful book. It's not history or myths. It's facts. And it challenges us. It reveals our sin. It reveals our hearts. It convicts us of sin. And listen, the Bible is a threat to right living. Uh, Sorry, to sinful living. The Bible is a threat to sinful living. If you want to live like you like, the Bible will confront you. And I love what uh, Eric Metaxas said. I've been quoting him, the pastor from the States. He's an author. He says, ever heard of anyone executed for distributing copies of Grimm's fairy tales? Imagine people trying to smuggle copies of Hans Christian Andersen's works into China. The Bible, which has been called a mere collection of myths, has suffered all of these fates. Even today, copies of the Bible are banned and burnt. There's something about this ancient book that threatens and frightens those in power. How profound is that? And just to set the stage before we kick off again, I read those few things. Now, we're going to look at the genealogy. We're going to start in chapter 5, and we're going to pick up the 10 generations, and we won't spend too much time on it, but it is very important. You you know, some people, when they read the genealogies in the morning, you know, they, they fall back to sleep on the desk. Drool. It's very important to read the genealogy because it tells you where you come from and why we're here. And here we read of the 10 generations from Adam through to Noah, the godly line, and uh, we see why God chose Noah, and you'll see that God has a heart for righteous people. He loves us. He sent Jesus, but he's got a heart for righteous people, people who walk in his ways. So let's read uh, a couple of verses here, in fact, about uh, 17 of them. No, more like 20, Yeah, Are you ready? When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Just pause for a moment. When I read that, I thought, at 800 years old, a baby crying must have been a real nuisance. (laughs) Some of the older parents at like 40 who have children are like, I can't take this. Adam was 800 years old, and he did it. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he took his time, he became father of Enosh. After he became father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. This is the history of the world. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years. Can you see their lifespans getting shorter? They probably didn't take the vitamins their parents took. <laughs> Just kidding. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalal. Mahalalal. Mahalalalal. <laughs> after he became the father of Mahalalal, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years and then he died. Just to pause here, can you see the Bible's not just saying and he lived and he died and he lived and then he was so and so and so? It's actually telling you the length of time. Clearly, it wants us to see that this is factual, not mythical. If it was mythical, it would be and he lived and he died and he lived and then after him came so and so and so. God is showing you that this history has been logged because it ultimately will have an importance when you come to Jesus in the New Testament. And the genealogy is mentioned in Luke's gospel. We don't have time to go there today, but we might touch on it later. So, where was I? I was uh, Mahalalal. <laughs> he lived 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived, lo- sorry, I, I, I jumped there. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years and when he, then he died. Then Mahalalal lived 65 years. He became the father of Jared. He started earlier. Huh? just waited 100 years for children. 65, he was eager. After he became the father of Jared, Mahalal lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalal lived a total of 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he, he he waited long. He must have been a jawler. He became the father of Enoch. Now, this is important because Enoch is very important in our scheme of things. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared had lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. If you've got your book with you today, some of us have forgotten. Some of us. Some of us have forgotten. Pastor Bloom is using mine. She forgot hers. So <laughs> difficult to remember. Put it somewhere where you can't forget. Shame, I'm teasing her. She, she goes over it at home. That's why She forgot. Circle the word Methuselah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to lighten these long genealogies. Circle the word Methuselah because it's very important. Do you know what Methuselah means? Right in the margin, it means when he is dead, it will be sent. Do you know that Methuselah lived right up to just before the flood came? So when he died, Noah knew it was time for them to get ready to go into the ark. Everyone's life has a meaning and a significance and points to something in God's economy. Very important. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God Five, sorry, 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Notice suddenly this man's walking with God. Now watch. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Wow, that's a lot less than everyone else. Less than half. Why? Enoch walked faithfully, it says it again, with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Amazing man. Faithful, walked with God. All the others all died. They all died. Then they died. Then they died. Just by the way, we're all going to die. Sometimes we behave like we're going to live forever, but God said when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, you will die. You won't live eternally, you will die. They lived long because of the climate and the the, the environment at that time, and we'll talk about it when we come to the flood. But here a man is taken before the time. How many of you know every doctrine in the New Testament has its roots in the Old Testament? You know what this speaks of? This speaks of rapture. And the scripture says, you notice the wording. It says he walked with God, because, uh, and he was no more because God took him away. Now, we come to the New Testament here in Hebrews 11. I want you to see something very important here. The, the only other man who, who walked with God and, and pleased the Lord was Noah. But here we see in the New Testament, Enoch is mentioned, Hebrews 11 verse 5. You still with me? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Do you know that Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 says, two will be walking in a field, one will be taken, the other left. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the rapture. So you see, when you look at the New Testament, you you, you can read it randomly and not know that its roots go way back to Genesis. You're yeah, the first man who's taken, and why is he taken? Not because he did something wrong, no, because he actually pleased the Lord, and we as Christians need to walk with God so that we too, when the rapture happens, will be taken. It's something we believe. It's not fairy tales. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4. And so Enoch was raptured. Moses was also raptured. Elijah was raptured, and we believe in the rapture. It's a picture of salvation. All our doctrines in the New Testament have their roots in the Old Testament, and he died very early, Matthew Henry says of people who die early, he says this in his commentary, God often takes those soonest whom he loves best, the time they lose on earth is gained in heaven to their unspeakable advantage, you know a lot of people say, the good die young, have you heard that saying, often it is that people are taken in the prime of their life, I worked with a guy, he was like a literal saint, and he died in a car accident, a very sad thing, And uh, he was taken early, and I've always thought about that concept of how God allows certain people to go early because they have walked with him. Now, the Bible again talks about Enoch in the New Testament, and I want you to see something interesting. You see, Enoch, Are are you with me this morning? Enoch walked with God. That's why God took him. So he was a righteous man, but his religion wasn't private. See, a lot of people say, go to church and don't speak about it. We don't speak about religion and politics. And just you, you do your thing. No, no, no. His religion was also public, because Jude, the brother of Jesus, says this of Enoch. I want you to notice here in Jude 14, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones, angels to judge everyone. I want you to underline the words to judge everyone because it's more evil, to, it's, it's, it's more evil to, to judge people than it is to do evil today. But we need to judge. Listen to me. When you watch the Grammys, you need to judge. You need to ask yourself, should I be watching this? Should this be tickling my fancy? Should I be enjoying this? Or should I switch it off? I was watching a movie the other night and just running, you know, bored, nothing to watch. So just, and after about 10 minutes, I was like, you cannot watch this. And, and let me just say this. There's no sexual scenes in it. It was the values, the language, what was portrayed, what was on the walls in the house. made me realize you cannot sit here as a man of God and watch this stuff. It'll come out in your dreams or it'll come out somewhere in your speech. You know, what my biggest fear is, is watching a movie and later then getting cross with someone and that language comes out of your mouth. Lord Jesus. No, seriously, there's a danger. Everything influences us. So he says here to judge everyone and to convict them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is Enoch, he didn't just live and walk with God privately, he publicly prophesied in one of the books that's not in the Bible, and spoke about the judgment and the way people were living. He didn't just live good, he told other people, hey, you shouldn't live like this. Now our world today tells us that Christians should keep quiet, we shouldn't judge or speak of anything, no, the people who should speak and judge and point is those who truly know what right and wrong is. Those who don't know what right and wrong is should keep quiet but if you're a Christian who builds your life on the word, you have every right to speak because it's God's right and wrong that we declare. Am I making sense? See, this stuff goes unnoticed when we read the Bible. That's why many people today, all they preach is the miracles of Jesus, is they ignore the whole counsel of God. And here we see that this righteous man knows what to say, and prophecy is an interesting word. Uh, Jude says he prophesied. Prophecy is when you say something by the unction of the Holy Spirit. You don't just give your opinion in an argument or because you worked up or because you've had a beer and you're a little bit loose-tongued. No. This is the unction of the Lord speaking, and it speaks to point people to walk with God. You see, listen to me, church. We can't be neutral. We can't be neutral. We have to be people who speak, because when you speak truth, it confronts. I love what Francis Schaeffer said. The uh, late Francis Schaeffer written a number of very, very good books and a brilliant thinker He says this, he says there's a sad myth going around today, the myth of neutrality. According to this myth, the secular world gives every point of view an equal chance to be heard, and it works fairly well unless you are a Christian. Truth always carries with it confrontation. Truth demands confrontation. Loving confrontation, nevertheless. If our reflex action action is always accommodation, Regardless of the cert- centrality of the truth involved, there's something wrong. Are you hearing me today? Now I'm not saying go around and point people out and talk to them and, and be nasty to them. And, and you know That's not what we're saying. Just know where you stand so that when people try and move, you say, sorry, I'm very sorry. Because the church is, the people are trying to shift the church away from its central focus and its foundations. All in the name of love and inclusivity. No, no, we have to be loving and inclusive and and kind and uh, all are welcome. Come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. You're expected to grow. There's justification by grace, but there's also sanctification by walking, being taught. So we've got to be careful that we don't become weak. Billy Graham put it like this. He said, because truth is unpopular, it does not mean it should not be proclaimed. Genesis chapter 5, are you ready to go on? Some of you say, please go on. (laughs) Genesis 5 and verse 25. Then Methuselah, sorry, when Methuselah, when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Just to stop there for a moment, uh, I mentioned earlier when we were doing the series that by the time that Cain found a wife, they reckon there were 32,000 people on the planet they have done a calculation and worked it out. So there must have been a lot of people at this time when God flooded the earth as we come to the flood later. I thought I'd just mention that to you. Uh, verse 27, Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years. He's the oldest recorded man in the Bible. And then he died. When had lived 182 years, he had a son. Now we're starting to see why this genealogy is painted. He named him Noah. And he said... He will comfort. He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground and the Lord has cursed. So, do you know that if you're writing in, in, in your book, write there comfort, relief. That's what Noah's name means. But did you know Noah did not bring comfort or relief to his parents? In fact, he brought judgment. So why does it say that? I think they were living in such hope. There was such wickedness that they were saying, if only God would send a man who would lead us out of it. And he did, but not in the way they thought. See, Jesus comes not to bring a new political dispensation when we're struggling, saying, Lord, please, life is hard and there's so much crime and violence. Could, could you come and set up your kingdom? He says, yes, I'm coming, but I'm coming to take you out of it. I'm not coming to work in it. And now he did exactly the same. He came to bring relief out of it, not in it. Are you with me? It says in verse 30, after Noah was born, Lamech of 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech of day total of 777 years. Then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I think he was busy drawing the plans of the ark. He probably didn't go home for 500. Years. No children. His wife like, Noah. Seriously, the Bible here is recording the line of Noah, uh, of Adam, sorry, the good line that led to Noah and Noah's three sons. These are the first shipbuilders in the world. And here is the new beginning that is going to come through the flood that God is going to bring about. How many of you know our theme this year? It's not just beginnings, new beginnings. And here we see the new beginnings. And uh, all these people died, but yet Noah was preserved. And uh, I want you to understand something important. People think that sin is a matter of opinion. No, sin caused the entire world to be flooded. It's not a myth. And sin caused the lifespan of human beings to be limited to 120 years. We're going to read that in a moment. So when God looks at sin, he doesn't just go, well, shame, they don't understand. Love and be loved. He goes, no, I'm, I'm angry at this. This is not my intention. My purpose is what counts, not your pleasure. Now, read with me, we'll go on just give you a bit of mental room there Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1 and we're only going up to 6 and verse 5 today so I want to spend some time here when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them watch this the sons of god saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose now if you just stop there it's, and it says that angels actually came and saw human beings, and then took them and married them, that's the first problem, if you just marry someone when you see them, trouble cometh, (laughs) in fact, it gets worse, watch here, the Lord says, now suddenly, suddenly God is pronouncing judgment, why, then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal, their days will be 120 years, now, just stay with me here and read this, does this make sense to you, Sons, of, sons of, uh, of heaven, sons of God, angels came down, and they had sex with human beings. And, uh, and then suddenly God says, I'm limiting human beings' length. Can you see that that implies sex between people that shouldn't have sex? And God says, no, I'm not happy with that. Human beings are frustrating me. Even the angels are frustrating me with what they're doing. I'm going to limit their lives to 120 years. Here's what I'm saying. You cannot view sexual sin as just something that you do like going to the gym. It is the mingling of spirits, the mingling of lives. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one spirit with her. See, God doesn't view sexual sin the way we do. Oh, it's like a hobby, something you do, you know, go to a nightclub and you get laid. And No, no, he doesn't view it like that. He says this is the thing in the sanctity of marriage. And the minute the angels come from heaven and they have sex with people, and I'll get there, I'll explain it. I'll explain it. God says I'm going to reduce the lifespan of people. Now, let's read on. Some of you have been reading on already. Now watch. The Nephilim, that means giants. You read that word in Numbers 13 when they went into the land. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children with them, they were the heroes of old men of renown in other words they were giants they accomplished things you read about goliath you've read about the giants that were in the land when they conquered the land and here god reduces the lifespan because of this interaction now interesting thing i read just before i get into the nephilim and stuff here do you know the oldest person whose age has been independently verified is a french woman jeanne calmer who lived to the age of 122 years and 164 days that's the oldest verified recorded person. I know you'll read on the internet that there were people who had 150 years, but they're in China and they don't have birth certificates. So this is the verified <laughs> oldest person. Isn't it interesting that with all the medical science in the modern world, only, it only just peaked at 120? Hmm? Here's the interesting thing. The oldest living person right now is also a woman. Men die young. They've got so much to contend with. The oldest, woman, oldest person right now is Maria Brañas Morera in Spain. 115 years old then I began to study and found that most people who are old in the world they're all around 114 to 117 years old it's almost like they get to a certain point even with modern science medical uh, medicine and and vitamins and then God says <laughs> and if you manage to get across oh, you slip my tension." <laughs> can you see how these things they can't just be they can't just be accidental they find their roots in Genesis Amazing. Amazing how accurate the Bible is. Now, let's move on here. The sons of God saw the daughters of humans. First thing in in building a relationship is not to build it on looks, because you know what will happen if you build it on looks? You'll have giant problems. (laughs) Some of you caught that. Now, the Nephilim, what does the word Nephilim mean? If you're making notes today, you can write down in the margin somewhere the Hebrew word, N-A-P-A-L. Nafal you, you pronounce it means to fall. So these were fallen angels who left heaven and somehow managed to have intercourse with human beings. Now, Jesus in Matthew's gospel spoke about the fact that angels in heaven neither marry or are given in marriage. We can get the impression that they have no sexual ability. But here it seems the Bible confirms that these angels came down and had sex with human beings. And when we study the New Testament, we see that both Peter and the Lord's brother Jude talk about it. Are you all with me still? 2 Peter chapter 2, it says, If God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held of judgment. We won't read the whole thing. It's clear that angels also have a free will. That's why Satan was able to rebel against God and say, I will set myself up against the Most High. I will become like God. And he rebelled against God, and he led other angels with him. Now, it's clear that angels left heaven and came down to earth and sinned, and God dealt with them because we don't see it happening in the centuries after the book of Genesis. Here in Jude, we see the Lord's brother explaining it I'm sure Jesus must have taught him this it says and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority watch this but abandoned their proper dwelling which is heaven these he is kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day now you see a very strange phrase are you with me in a similar way in a similar way to what In a similar way to these angels, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Well, we can see here that the twisting, the word perversion, is removed from original intention. Angels were not meant to have sex with humans. Humans were not meant to have sex with angels. And he says God's reserved them in judgment since they did that. That's why you don't see it happening on the earth anymore. We don't find people that are 15 foot tall. That's not happening. I mean, it's it's a rare occurrence. It's a genetic abnormality. But we don't see that because God has reserved them because they did something. And then he refers to Sodom and Gomorrah where they perverted the sexual desire and they were judged in Genesis 19. Does that make sense? Can you see all this stuff is so clear in the Bible? I hope it's been clear to you that God says, now, I'll reduce the lifespan of people because of this. I don't just expect people to do what they like. I expect them to live according to my purpose. we talk about sexual preference today as though it's a lifestyle choice, it's not. It's a divine intention, and it's something God has set out that we might produce children. And here's the thing. They had offspring. It worked, if you like, but it wasn't God's best. Don't think because something works, it's okay. Are you with me? See, today we've got people doing all sorts of weird stuff, like marrying their dogs. And we say, well, you know, if they're happy, who are we to judge? No, no, we must judge, or we will go insane. See, people people today want us to look at them and call them what they think they are. Imagine someone comes to you and says, I'm a dog. Call me Lassie. No, no, no. You can call yourself a dog, and you can bark as much as you like, and you can crawl on the ground and eat bones, but I'm not going to call you a dog, because you're trying to define my reality. It's the same as saying this wall is painted blue. Now, if you think so, they used to lock people up like that. If you, if you think it's blue, you can continue to call it blue, but you will not get me to call it blue, because according to my—see, as a Christian— People are trying to define your godly reality and you can't let them. What they do is their business. But what you do, that's what I'm teaching you, is of prime importance. The devil's very really clever. I was reading in the 20, 2019, 49-year-old Elizabeth Hoad stunned viewers by marrying her dog, Logan, a golden retriever on national television on the morning show in the UK she said she didn't need a man and wanted to spend the rest of her life with her dog further adding this is you know this is her reasoning she had previously struggled with love and even went on 200 dates finally she decided to stop going on dates and choose a four legged life partner can i just issue a warning for tuesday <laughs> valentine's day would you just keep your eyes on god now you laugh because you think this is rare, eh? Hey? Hmm. Ritter has been married to the Berlin Wall for over 30 years. Erica Latour Eiffel married the Eiffel Tower. And a Korean legion married a pillow. Wait, for the Indian people, Bimbala Das, a Hindu woman, married a snake. You see, there's something for everyone here. You know what people say? How dare you judge? We must. We must. Because when you remove God's boundaries, anything goes. We are heading for such chaos in the future in the name of love and freedom, you have no idea. Sometimes I thank God I'm the age I am because I won't be here to see it. You know, we often used to say this, if my mother were alive, she'd turn in her grave. If she were alive, she'd turn in her grave. Doesn't matter, but it's a saying. (laughs) Because it's so shocking what's coming. It all starts when you lose your anchor and your foundation. I hope I'm making sense today. Just feel the freedom to say that and... uh, You know, that's why the earth was ultimately destroyed by a flood. Not because people were murdering. That's not what it says. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. We now start to see, and I've got a couple of minutes left. Does this help you today? It's simple stuff, but it really is important. Next time we look at the flood, it gets quite complex and very interesting. Can I tell you, don't miss the next two Sundays. You know why? We're going to deal with why the earth is in the condition it is right now and what God says about it, contrary to all the environmentalists. You've heard me speak about environmentalism. It's not a bugbear. I'm not a scientist. It's any time anything contradicts the Bible, you've got to go, hang on a minute. Like evolution, it's so-called science. No, 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 sorry, it contradicts the Bible. To contradict the Bible, you have to take a stand. Now, let me get back to the text. Genesis 6 and verse 5. Don't get carried away, Andre. Control yourself. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. By the way, it only took 10 generations to get there. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Now watch this. So the Lord said, who was he talking to? So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah, don't you love those words? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What an indictment on the human race. Do you not believe God was speaking to you? He was speaking to Noah. He was speaking to Noah because he was saying, out of everything I see, you and your family have found favor with me, and I'm going to use you for a new beginning. I don't know about you, but do you find favor in the eyes of the Lord? When God looks at the world, does he say, but so and so? But so and so, or does he see us going along with the rest of the world, ignoring God? You see, Noah didn't live according to his heart. He lived according to God's word and God's truth and God's principles. And uh, the whole population here is going down a certain road, but this one man is honoring God. I want to say this here, it's very important for us to realize that God loves us that he's on our side, if you like, that we are adopted into the family of God, that we belong to Jesus, that we have been forgiven, that we can't earn salvation. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast, that by believing in Jesus, we receive eternal life, and Jesus becomes our savior, and we become part of the church, but it doesn't stop there. We're meant to then walk with God, we're then meant to live for God, and we're then meant to please God. We're not just meant to be like everyone else, because God loves us. Are you with me? And here Noah is the one that God selects, and next week we'll look at the flood, and we'll see judgment, but we'll also see a picture of mercy, and uh, we'll go into that whole thing next week. I think it's enough for today. Let me close with this quote, and then I'll pray with you. Have you been helped today? Um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said this. You all know him, the famous author. He said, if only there were evil people somewhere, insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being, and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? See, it'd be easy if you could say, it's them and us, and we can remove them. No, all of us are sinners, every single one of us. And while we can point out wrong in other people, we are also wrong because we all fail. Isn't that true? And here's the answer. The answer is not to select them and us and and to be the church that says we're right and they're wrong, but to walk with God, to make sure our hearts are healed to His truth and healed to Jesus. Then we know we are on the safe path. But when we yield our hearts to culture or to our own desires, we're heading for disaster. And the end of it can only be judgment from God and ruin in our lives. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.